1: so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones
2: who get it done
3: it is a monday here on birds 365 Kind of a weird Monday because we're not following any of those games. Yes, I guess we are. You got to go all the way back to Thursday when they got beat down by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it's a little different. And it'll be a little different because, damn, those Eagles, they always make these big moves right after Birds 365 gets off the air. <laughs> McMullen and McDonald had signed off on Friday after reviewing the loss at the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Little did we know an hour afterwards, the Eagles would trade one of their best players and one of the most popular players ever here to wear uh, midnight green. Did he ever wear Kelly Green? They never wore Kelly Green during uh, uh, Zach Ertz's time, did they, Jay Mack?
4: I you would have to you would have to talk to somebody who cares about uniforms, but no, I do not believe so. Uh, but you know that kind of stuff doesn't matter. I do want to say before we get into Zach Ertz because something did break while we are on the air, and What's that's that Lane Johnson. Is, is returning to the Eagles, released a statement about three minutes before we came on the air. Let me just read it real quick for the fans. I would like to thank everyone for their understanding and support over the last two weeks. I appreciate the positive notes and messages as I've worked hard to restore my personal life. Depression and anxiety are things I've dealt with for a long time. And I've kept hidden from my friends and family. If you're reading this and struggling, please know that you are not alone. I'm excited to rejoin my teammates and coaches. I'm grateful for the entire Eagles community and look forward to continuing to play in front of the best fans in the world. Uh, so, Lane Johnson is back as Zach Ertz unfortunately leaves. Uh, but obviously
3: the latter, a big positive for this Eagles team moving forward. And that certainly is, because uh, Lane Johnson is still, when, when healthy, and that's not always the case, and I'm not even talking about his mental health, I'm just talking about his physical health is still, for me, one of the best right tackles in football. And although the Eagles have had some guys step in and, and play well enough, Jack Driscoll one week, uh, Jordan Mailata a couple weeks, moving from the left side to the right side, The Eagles are better when Lane Johnson is in the lineup, and glad to hear that Lane has been able to work through his problems and rejoin the team this week. So that's a bit of good news. I will absolutely, positively, unquestioned in my mind, say it was bad news that Zach Ertz was traded on Friday. Um, I get the fact that keeping Zach Archier signing to a contract extension or at the end of the season uh, re-signing him was probably not going to happen. A uh, small percentage chance like something that like that could work out. But then again, many believed it was only a small percentage chance that he'd ever wear an Eagle uniform again after the end of last year. And damn if we didn't get another six games out of Zach Kertjeer. Um What the Eagles got in return for him, as far as I'm concerned, is not much at all. And Howie Roseman, after Zach Ertz gave one of the best press conferences I've ever seen, and I've been in Philadelphia 30-plus years now, um, a guy who just flat out out gets it, uh, handles his business so well, appreciates the town, appreciates the fans, appreciates what he achieved here, his Super Bowl heroics are never going away. They got minimal compensation in return. Uh, So I've got a problem with the trade, number one, and we'll get into it even a little bit more. But maybe a bigger problem that I have is Howie Roseman taking questions from you guys. I don't think it was your question, John. I think you asked the next question, as a matter of fact, about more trades that the Eagles are going to make after uh, trading Zach Ertz. That between now and the trade deadline, which is still several weeks away, uh, that the Eagles would be sellers. And he had the nerve to look right in the camera and say, Well, we're not sellers. We still believe in this season. We, uh, the big game coming up against Vegas in the next. Stop. There's no way you can make the argument to me that the Eagles are a better team today than they were when they had Zach Ertz. They absolutely made a move for the future. And that to me designates you as a seller. And, and to try and deny it and or frame it in some way to keep Eagle fans believing that they're doing everything to win games this year and make the playoffs as a wild card team is poppycock. Does, does Howie just think he needs to do this for his own personal cover or does he just believe that Eagle fans are not in tuned enough, not bright enough to understand exactly what the move meant when he made it on Friday?
4: Um, I, I think it's somewhere in between. I think it's, um, uh, I think it's a difficult PR hurdle to say we're sellers. We're not trying to win. Uh, I, I don't think you can do that in the NFL. Um, and I always say actions speak louder than words. Don't listen to what a, a team says. Look at what they do. Um, and we'll see, you know, the NFL is not baseball. It's not basketball. You don't have this flurry of trades to begin with. It's gotten a little bit more as you've gotten younger GMs who are more willing to do some different things. It's, it's much better than it was in the past when it was virtually nothing. Um, so you have that part of it as well. I mean, this is not a league generated where you can send four or five players away to begin with. So that's part of it that you throw into the mix as well. But more that you can't just say, especially in this town, you can't just say, "Oh no, we're 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 done." And remember, the trade deadline is still early enough in the season uh, in the NFL where you can you can say, and we've been talking about it. I can't believe talk people talk about playoffs, but if you add the extra wild card in, it's going to be about five hundred going to be nine and eight going to be probably eight and nine that final team so you know you could talk yourself into things that oh we got the soft part of our schedule we just got through the difficult part of our schedule uh the soft part of our schedule is coming up so your fan base sees that and say why can't we be that final wild card team now i don't think the eagles believe that but you can't just go out and say, eh, "We stink. We're done. We're going to pull the plug." Fletcher Cox is leaving. Blah blah blah. Also, you don't want to alert other teams and and use your leverage. But I do think you're right. Howard Roseman got a lot of credit this week because Miami's so bad. They lose to Jackson. Bill obviously, and essentially traded. Uh, you know, he's getting Devontae Smith and a top five pick. Uh, for jalen waddle or somebody you know you, you could throw it that way you could spin it that way well by the way jalen waddle is a pretty good player but still a terrible trade for miami so he was getting a lot of positives uh for that trade and rightfully so and it should, was a very yeah. good trade uh this trade was really bad you go back to um uh, uh training camp your guy, Chris Herndon from the Jets. The Jets got a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon, who does nothing. Now, granted, he's younger, um, he, he's less expensive. So you have to add that in. But, you know, how he was talking about, I want a day three pick. We all kind of scoffed about that. This is behind the scenes. We all kind of scoffed about that. But we were thinking as you were going to go on, if you're going to leverage Arizona, who thinks it's a contender and is probably right. And if you're going to leverage Buffalo, which is a contender um, at the trade deadline or near the trade deadline, um, you got to get me a fourth round pick at the bare minimum. And he ends up getting a six round pick in a six round corner. Who they claim they like in the draft? And I'm sure they're right. Bottom line, you got two six round picks for Zach Ertz.
3: Was it a sixth or a fifth?
4: A fifth. I'm sorry. You're right. A sixth and a fifth. So two late round picks. Um it's that's not good enough. That's that's not good enough for Zach Ertz. Um, now maybe Tay Gowan uh turns out to be uh, a, a good player, but he wasn't playing in Arizona. He's a rookie player. They already have Zach McPherson, who was a fourth round pick. They already have uh the kid they pick it up from uh Denver, Mac McCain, who hasn't seen the field. Um, so they keep throwing these young corners in the mix all right, maybe one of them hits, but it's certainly talking about down the line. It's not talking about right now, I'll tell you that.
3: Agreed. Um, And I did this math in my mind the other day uh, when I was thinking about the trade. Um, They uh, get Arizona's fifth-round pick as of right now. Well, Arizona's fifth-round pick is basically a sixth-round pick because they'll be picking dead last in the fifth round because they're the only undefeated team. So it's a fifth-round pick, which is basically a sixth-round pick. And, oh, by the way, Howie Roseman gave up a sixth-round pick for their third-string quarterback, who hasn't seen the field. Has he been activated yet, as a matter of fact?
4: No, he has not. Um, But I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I I don't have a problem with trading sixth, seventh-round ever. I don't – I you know, throw them around because GMs, they think, you know, oh, let me get these extra picks. History is what history is. You can look at it. Occasionally you hit on a player late. The odds are not great. Um, you can get a young quarterback. I don't have a problem with that. I, either way, I mean, I don't think Gardner Minshew is going to be great for this team either. Um, but I, I don't have a problem giving up a six-round pick. I never – I have a problem – accumulating sixth and seventh round picks and acting like uh, it, it's going to make it's going to do something for you i have more of a problem than, with that to be
3: honest well the, the point i was trying to make was in comparison value zach Ertz who was going to be in eagles hall of Famer someday and i talked about that which i got a belief for zach was a little uncomfortable he's still playing He's just played a game for the Eagles in which he scored a touchdown. He's going to go to Arizona. He's going to try and get back to his Super Bowl again, something he did quite successfully here. Thank you very much. And we're already talking about him going into the Eagle Hall of Fame X amount of years down the road. If that were me and I were a player and I was still in player mode, I would just feel really weird. And Jack gave a great answer. I'm going to kind of leave that up to you guys, Uh, which I I felt bad (laughs) that he had to even go down that road. But if you're a member of the media, you want to ask that question. So it's just kind of a hinky kind of thing. But he's a guy who's still a viable guy. And all they got in exchange was a fifth round pick. When just to put a uh, kind of focus on what a fifth round pick is worth, the maybe potential last pick in the fifth round, because Arizona is that good. The Eagles gave up, which is looking like it's going to be a rather high sixth round pick. Are you equating Zach Ertz to Gardner Minshew? Gardner Minshew can't even dress on Sundays as compared to the greatest tight end to ever play for the Philadelphia Eagles. And those things, as far as uh, uh, trade chips going back and forth between teams are damn close to equivalent. That just doesn't work. That doesn't make any sense if you're an Eagle fan. So that was the point I was trying to make. Howie Roseman Uh, looking to uh, upgrade and use his leverage and get the Eagles to be a better team. Not with this trade, he didn't. And I'm sorry, you are officially a seller. You can't look me in the eye, make that deal and say, Oh, but we're still in it. We're still playing for 2020, 2021. No, you're not. This trade
4: to me, I'd look at this trade has nothing to do with 2021 has more to do with 2022. But I differ with you in, in one way, Jody. What's that? This trade has a lot to do, mostly to do with Dallas Goddard, in that the Eagles are starting to get a little bit concerned. How we even mentioned there's not going to be any discounts on Dallas Goddard when, when he was talking in, in the press conference. And he was talking, you think about the extensions earlier with Jordan Mailata, um, team friendly deal. Very team – people might not understand that. Very team-friendly deal. They're not getting a team-friendly deal with Dallas Goddard because he and his uh, agents know if he hits the open market, he's going to be the highest tight end paid tight end in football. Doesn't mean he's the best tight end, but we talk about this all the time. It's about timing and circumstance. And they know what they have, and they know what the league thinks of Dallas Goddard, his agents and the Eagles. And they think he's going to be one of the top tight ends. And behind the scenes, he wants to be the guy. He wants to play. He wants to be the number one tight end. And he thought he was going to be the number one tight end. And they've been kind of not splitting time, but they're not playing a lot of 12 personnel. They weren't, as we uh, expected. Nick Sirianni wants to play 11. He has played 11 the vast majority of the time. Uh, all of a sudden, you got one tight end on the field. You, you got the shuffling because Zach Ertz is still uh, a good player. So they want to make Dallas Goddard happy and they want to make sure they get Dallas Goddard in the fold and extended as quickly as possible. They might have to use the franchise tag. They never like to do that. They always have that in the back pocket. So he's going to be here, but they want to make him happy and they want to make that very, very clear. And then the second part is Tyree Jackson. Howie Roseman brought him up twice. Um, and he wasn't even asked about him. And he said, if that kid plays like he did in training camp, we got something, which is surprising to me because not that obviously the Eagles carried him on a 53-man roster for a reason. They don't want to they didn't want to uh expose him to waivers. Uh but I thought it would be more of a mylata situation where Okay, they would stick him, stash him on the 53 at the back end of the 53 and continue to develop him behind the scenes. No, they want him to play. And he's getting close from that window, which was eight to ten weeks when he had the the fracture in his back. He's already on the field practicing on side fields, uh, doing uh, rehab stuff with trainers on side fields. So he's getting closer as well, and they want to look at him. More about 2022, you and I agree there, but I think this isn't about the Eagles saying we stink and we do this. It's about number one, and, and by far number one, make Dallas Goddard happy, clear uh, the runway, so to speak, for him to be a true number one tight end, um, and then the development of, of Tyree Jackson a little bit further back. Uh, more than anything about Zach Ertz. But Howie said, and I was the one who asked the question about Dallas, and Howie said, we knew we weren't going to be able to keep both. Simple as that. Everybody knew that. And he, and he finally went on the record and admitted it. So get what you can get. I just question he could probably have gotten a little bit more, I would think, uh, if he traded him, say, draft weekend. He probably could have been in a fourth-round range. And I had heard he got offered fourth-round picks in the past.
3: And he ends up – and if the kid, uh, Tay, the cornerback, turns into a player, then and we may actually have to go back and reevaluate this trade. As of now, he hasn't been able to get a snap for the Cardinals. He's been on the roster and deactivated five straight weeks and oh by the way they've had injuries in their secondary he still couldn't get activated which is not a good sign but he's a rookie so you're going to give him a chance and he seems to be more like a uh zone rookie and the Cardinals want to play a lot of man to man he may be a perfect fit for the defense that they play here in Philadelphia we'll have to see about that but it is uh, it's an ongoing evaluation it's going to take a while before we uh, can actually put a yay or nay win or loss on this deal I just don't like the fact that they're attempting to sell it as them doing what's best for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2021. No, you're not. You're doing what's best for the Eagles in 2022, which means you're putting less of an emphasis on this uh, season. And I'm sorry, Howie, you can say it till you're blue in the face. Smart Eagle fans aren't even beginning to buy it. All right, he John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Uh, we're going to punch, punch up our first guest, uh, Scott Grayson from Fox 29, who came on with us way back in June. I had to go back and check my record and say, I think we had him on. I just didn't remember. Was I love that Janning you have the record. The time. I, have, I love that you have the record, by the way, Johnny. You are uh, the I, official record keeper. Uh,
0: I, I try and Berks keep track of these things.
3: Because if I don't, then I forget them. But if I write them down, I can actually go, oh, yeah, now I remember. And I remember having uh, Scott on previously, and he's going to rejoin us. We got plenty of Eagles to talk about today. We'll do it next with Scott Grayson of Fox 29 here on Birds 365.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to
1: Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
3: Kind of an off Monday here on Birds 365. We're not exactly following an Eagle game. Uh, they played all the way back on Thursday against the Bucks. I know, by the way, they traded one of their best players, most popular players in the meantime and in between time. So it's kind of a different <laughs> Monday for us here on Birds 365. But we are glad to bring Scott Grayson of Fox 29 into the mix, who's got his, is that a San Diego Padres old time? <laughs> Uh jersey you got on there, Scotty, the brown and the yellow? No, no, that's Arizona
4: State. That's an Arizona State, Arizona State. I an Arizona State guy.
2: Uh, Zach, uh, i just wearing big... it. They lost on Saturday. Yeah. But you know. Yeah, what
3: happened? Herm yeah. couldn't finish the deal.
2: No, no, it's it's been a problem. Uh, you know, like Herm Edwards says, don't press send, right? Yeah, it, exactly. Well, does Herm
4: have a computer yet to press send? <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, Scott's an Arizona State guy. So that what that tells us, Scott, you were a big partier in your youth. That's what that tells us. That is the party I mean, college, was
2: <laughs> college was a good time. College was a good time. I enjoyed and, myself out there for sure.
3: <laughs> Scott, you and I have that in common. We both went to ASU. For you, it was Arizona State University. For me, it was Albany State University. Okay. I stayed in upstate New York. And despite the fact that we had to do a lot of our partying indoors during the winter, yeah. because it's right in the middle of the snow belt of upstate New York, oh, it didn't keep us from partying either.
2: No, uh, I'm sure. I mean, you know, when you're that age, nothing keeps you from
4: partying. That's true. That is very true. All right, we've gotten off uh, on, on a tangent quickly, as Jody and I <laughs> typically do. But uh, glad to have you, Scott. Who's uh, the props and locks on Box 29 with our buddy, Aton Shander? We want yeah. to mention Aiton as well but Scott uh, a couple big things I guess we'll start with Lane Johnson because it just happened this morning Lane releases a statement dealing with some anxiety issues depression Um, but he's returning to the Eagles what does this mean to the team it's pretty you know when he's on the field they do a lot better than when he's not off when he's not on the field
2: Well, I think everyone would agree they'd rather have Lane Johnson on that line than Andre Dillard. Uh, You know, not that Dillard has done badly uh, in the time that he's been in there, but uh, look, Lane's veteran experience, what he brings to that line is clearly uh, a lot. And, um, you know, we all were wondering what's going on here. What is the problem? What seems to be the issue? Uh, And they weren't saying anything about it. Now we know why obviously he was dealing with a very personal issue. um, Something that athletes are, you know starting to become more and more open about. Now, his return, I think now that it's out in the open at least um allows the team to move forward from that and perhaps maybe even get stronger through it. Um he's going to give that offensive line a shot in the arm, I got to believe. I would like to think he's going to come in and have a lot to prove when he does get back in there and hopefully they just start doing some more things that they can and should do with that offensive line that they haven't you know been doing yet and um, I just think that his return is going to is going to certainly bring that offensive line room. Um, I would imagine in film when the meeting room, those guys are going to be a little bit more fired up. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I think it's just a good thing to know that whatever that uncertainty was that was going on, they can move forward from. But like you mentioned too, Jody, I mean, you get Lane Johnson back. You take Zach Gertz out of the locker room. There's there's definitely a lot of change in this uh, since Thursday night that this this team is going through.
3: And there may be even more change between now and the trade deadline. One of the things John and I spoke about in the first segment, the thing that annoys me is the attempted sale that this team is not in a transition phase. The owner said it way back when, when he gave Dougie P his walking papers that this was a transition year. Well, no better example than the trade they made last week. (laughs) 2021 doesn't matter. doesn't count. They're looking ahead to future years with that being the case. Andre Dillard going to get dealt in the next couple of weeks. Now Elaine Johnson's back. My lot is going back to the left side. John keeps telling me that this league is bereft of offensive line talent. And Andre Dillard put a couple of decent games, not great, decent games on film. Eagles turn around and uh, trade him. Or does how we have to continue to protect them because he was a first-round pick?
2: Yeah, well, that's frustrating, right? When When the fans know that a first-round pick is not playing up to their potential – um, and then you see them thrown in and continually thrust in there to prove that that pick was worthwhile. That's so frustrating for a fan base uh, to, to watch that happen. And everybody knew. Maelotta had beat him out. He got the spot. And now the question is, what are the Eagles going to do? Um, I think it worked out well for them that he was able to go out and put a couple of good, good. I mean, quite frankly, some, some good games on tape against some quality opponents. Um, perhaps his value is going to be as high as it can be right now um and that would be a good time to to make a deal there are some deals they've made that are looking pretty good I mean that that move that draft pick that they're going to get from Miami just keeps getting better and better yeah Um, but but at some point you got to ask yourself how many draft picks do you think you need I I mean you got another one from Arizona now uh with the Zach Ertz trade um and you said 2021 doesn't matter and, and and uh I agree with you Jody I mean they're clearly sending that message, but I, I would argue that it does matter in the standpoint of you've got to figure out what you have. Um, what do you have in Nick Sirianni as a head coach? What do you have in Sirianni as an offensive coordinator? What do you have in Gannon as a defensive coordinator? And quite frankly, what do you have as Jalen, in Jalen Hurts as a quarterback is perhaps the most important question. And then that begs the question, are you really finding out what you have in Jalen Hurts with the offense that's being called right now? Um, and I'm sure you guys have gone through this since Thursday night. Uh, at this point, I-, I am out on Sirianni as an offensive coordinator. I can't stand <laughs> to watch this offense wow. continue to be so inept. Um, you know, we did ran something last night on Sports Sunday. Jalen Hurts has accounted for 40% of this team's running plays, 40% out of your quarterback. What are you – I mean, you're putting way too much in this guy's hands, and opposing defenses know exactly what's coming. There's no creativity, no opportunity to try and build something from one play to the next. I see no scripted material at the beginning of the game. I mean, we all know Andy Reid, that was one of his strengths. Uh, You could at least get out of the gate, usually, with your first 15 plays. I see nothing from this team right now to show me that you can even truly evaluate Jalen Hurts through five games.
4: Scott, it's interesting you went that direction because that's the way I was going to take you because of what you were saying. What do we have in Jalen Hurts? What do we have in Nick Sirianni? This seems to have bubbled up last week for some reason. People have said, I'm done. They've slammed the, the podium like Nick Sirianni does. I'm done with Nick Sirianni as a play caller as an offensive coordinator. He's terrible. He's putting too much on the plate of a young quarterback. That's the chicken. The egg is, or is he trying to protect the young quarterback? Because I think, I see your face, but let me finish. I I think if you look at the numbers, and you brought up one of them, 40% of the running plays, I think 87% of the Eagles' offense has been Jalen Hurts. Right in the middle of that, you have his pass attempts. I'm going to give you this number, guys. 3% of Jalen Hurts' pass attempts. Six of 208 have come between the hashes. Six. Where do you get interceptions in this league? You throw in the middle of the field, you're inaccurate, tip ball, boom, up, safety gets it, ball's going the other direction. From my perspective, and I said this to Jody, and I'll throw it out to you, Scott, I think he's trying to protect Jalen Hurts too much. I think that's the problem.
2: You lay out a very good point. Um, I would counter with up until Thursday, you had arguably the best one, two punch at tight end in the league and your tight ends are going to be most valuable over the middle. Um, you could argue, you know, there've been a couple of games where they've used the tight ends well, but I would argue they've, they haven't used them well enough. Um, I would argue too that, uh, you know, you've got to run the ball with your running backs to try to set up some things to, 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 to set up your your quarterback to be more successful, um, make things a little easier on him. Um, yeah, you, you lay out an argument to, that they could be protecting him. But if 2021 doesn't matter, like Jody said, and I think we can agree that this team's not going deep into the playoffs if they were even to contend all of a sudden for the, the division, which isn't happening right now. Don't you need to make things – I mean, don't you need to see – don't you need to run your offense? Well, that part I've agreed with,
4: Scott. I've agreed with – I said throw them in the deep end of the pool. Yeah. I don't think you're going to like the answer, but at least you'll have the answer. Which you need – and isn't that – like when the season began, I don't think
2: anybody was sitting here going, hey, Super Bowl or bust. It was, what do we have in Sirianni, what do we have in Hurts were the two biggest questions. So don't you, like you said, throw him in the deep end of the pool. Don't you need to see, can he sink or swim, so that with these three first-round picks, which continually seem to get better and better, uh, I mean, you can do anything with that. You can fix that problem. If you think he's good enough, you can address and get a whole lot younger on defense, uh, which is another thing they need to do. I, I mean, but if you don't know, if you scratch your head at the end of the season going, What do we really have in Hurts? I mean, right now he's better than Daniel Jones. Not that that says much. Uh, You know, he's better than some quarterbacks in the league because as much as they may have been trying to protect him, you know, his numbers are not terrible uh, in the sense that he's had to make some throws. Now, he has not made good throws. He's missed targets. There's certainly ways we can whack, you know, his, uh, his ability at certain times. But I also believe that they're not running the they're predictable on offense. They're making so yeah, you could be protecting him, but quite frankly, I think you're making his life harder. Um, look at those screen passes they ran Thursday night. The Bucs knew exactly what was coming. The moment that he turned to throw it out to the flat, that defensive back was already in full pursuit and, and dropping them right away. I, I just I just this this offense is is killing me and I think it's killing Hertz uh in that regard as
3: well. And here's one of the realities that Howie Roseman, Eagle fans, everybody else is going to have to start to deal with here pretty soon. If you don't think Jalen Hurts is the answer, which he's not putting a lot of things out there for you to have confidence into, for you to latch yourself upon, where do the Eagles go from there? We've still got no idea if Deshaun Watson's ever going to play football again. He may play first game next year, may get this all behind him, may work it out or he may be dragged through the court system for years, and who knows what he comes back as when he does return to football. I'll tell you right now, the NFL draft quarterback position, not a strong suit this year. So the Eagles can have all those draft picks and draft capital and the ability to move up. Move up for who? Uh, Who's the guy who's going to be the, oh, this is going to set the franchise right for the next decade? I don't know that he exists in this year's NFL college football draft. I completely
2: agree with you. Every Saturday that I watch some college football games, there's not that that Trevor Lawrence that jumps out to you as a clear number 1. There's not there's nobody there at that level and and I'm out on trying to go the route of say hey, okay, get an Aaron Rodgers or try to get a Russell Wilson. You need to get younger and you need the rest of your team is is young. This is an opportunity to really build from not the ground up, but somewhere not too far away from that with some young talent that you've got, uh, you know, in certain positions on offense. And like I said, you can get a little younger on defense. And then if you can get that guy, whoever he is, that's got a, a lot of fuel in the tank, not somebody near the end of his career that's looking to win right now, because quite frankly, I, I just don't know the way Dallas is playing, the way that they've built their team. You look at Trevon Diggs and, and uh, Micah Parsons, that defense now has a core that's going to be, really annoying to deal with twice a year for the next decade. And (laughs) quite frankly, the Eagles don't have something like that. And um, I, you know, I agree with you. Where do you go? That is the problem right now. If you say he's not the guy, then where do you go? What do you do? Do you try to parlay some of those first round picks into a first round pick in 22 somehow? Do you trade forward and try to fix some other holes because there's enough of them (laughs) Uh, and maybe hope that that class produces something better uh, I, I, I don't know. I agree with you, Jody. There's no good answer. And I don't know that I want to go the Deshaun Watson route right now. Um, look how quickly he's been forgotten, uh, around, you
3: know, the league at this point. Oh, he'll, he'll, he'll come he'll, from the he'll, forefront he'll, of mind yeah. very quickly when Might be in Miami. realizing how bad this draft class is. Oh, the, the Texans are going to do just fine. Moving Deshaun Sean Watson, mark my words. Yeah, oh, no, you're right,
2: and 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 you know, the moment he gets back on the field with whatever suspension, if one comes, you know, we know his talent, we know what he can do, and he is he does fit the mold of like I was talking about being young enough, have enough fuel in the tank that he would give you what you need. And there's we know we know that these guys, uh, you know, Howie Roseman and uh, and Jeffrey Lurie like like what Deshaun Watson can bring to the table on the football field. Uh, the question is whether or not they're going to be willing to deal with whatever happens as a result of of his off the field issues at this point uh, to get there. But, you know, I, you know, he is probably right now the best option out of everything. Uh, I don't, I agree. I don't think there's an option right now that you could point to and say definitively is a solid potential franchise quarterback in college.
4: And we always have to add Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play here uh, yeah. until he changes his mind. Uh, and puts the Eagles in a mix, it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more likely Miami than anything else. But all right, let's talk about the coach, uh, Scott, because I got a lot of this last night. Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore is the greatest play caller in the history of the man and mankind, evidently. Uh, the Cowboys have scored 35 points, I think, seven straight games, is it? Um, the Eagles, people forget, interviewed Kellen Moore to be the head coach of this team before they landed on Nick Sirianni. Now, I want to point out, I think it's fair, that Kellen Moore has Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and C.D. Ma- CD Lamb, Michael Gallup's hurt, but Cedric Wilson's pretty good, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Tony Pollard, a great offensive line, On and on and on. Nick Sirianni's got a quarterback who started 10 games. Jalen Rager, who still looks like not good. Let's be kind. I just want to, you can't say anything nice. Don't say anything negative. His best playmaker is a rookie wide receiver. And by the way, I have this on good accord that when Nick Sirianni looks down at his play card, the biggest part of his play card is Devontae Smith. Bill Walsh couldn't look like a big, a good play caller with this team. Is that uh, fair to say?
2: I, I think that is fair to say. Um, I don't know. I, my biggest problem continues to be. If I'm Miles Sanders, I'm doing one of two things after every game. I'm either laughing when I go to the bank because I don't have to do much to cash that check (laughs) or I'm frustrated because I know what my ability is. My team continues to lose. And I want to continue, you know, I want, I want my chance to be a part of bringing a win to this team. And that's probably the latter knowing the competitor that Miles Sanders is, but there's no doubt he's way underused, And I think quite frankly, if, you know, when you talk about their offense, You have a potential one-two punch in him and Kenny Gainwell that I think could work decently if they would let it and, and they just don't, they don't, they don't try to go there. And, and, um, you know, I was going back through some old transcripts from, from Sirianni from back in when he was first hired, then through the spring, you know, there was a talk about, you know, running the ball. And you watch Indianapolis yesterday, look at what Jonathan Taylor did there. What, what, What happened? Is there just that lack of faith in in this running game? Is there that lack of faith in Sanders or Gainwell? I mean, pick one. I don't care who. Make him a feature back. Uh, Is there a lack of faith in the offensive line? Uh, I mean, it's easier for an offensive line.
4: Keep going, Scott.
2: Yeah, it's easier for an offensive line to run block, isn't it? I mean, most offensive linemen will tell you that. They just have to shoot off the ball, take care of their guy for a second, and the running back is by them, and the play, you know, it's going. Why are they not? I mean, and this is my question for Sirianni that I would love to ask you, but why are you not making it easier on your offense uh, to succeed? But, I mean, first down is a failure so many times. It's hard to get a first down if you can't even move the ball on first down. And then the penalties come into mind. And and then that goes at the head coach himself. And quite frankly, I think, you know, when you have a bad game with penalties, if it's if it's random and it's a total freak thing, that's on the players for not being disciplined in that moment, on them uh, mentally, whatever it was that was leading to it. When it happens week after week after week, to me, that's a coaching staff problem. That's not being addressed in practice. It's not being handled properly. It's not. There's no fear of committing that penalty again. I, I would have made Derek Barnett inactive for one game after some of the stuff he was pulling earlier this season, just to send him a message that you can't. I can't afford to put you even in uniform because you could you could hurt us. Um, and there's just none of that. I mean, he wants to play rock, paper, scissors with everybody. That's great. It sounds good <laughs> in the offseason. But when you're in the heart of battle here and you're in the heat of trying to win games, um, you know, I, quite frankly, I, I wonder how close he's going to start to come to losing this locker room if, if this losing continues.
3: Scott, here's one that John and I have disagreed, with, uh, disagreed on at times. The whole RPO aspect of the Eagles offense. John says it actually makes the offense easier for the quarterback because all he does is read one guy and makes a decision off it. But here's my point. He has to make that decision. If you don't have an RPO incorporated into your offense, either you drop back and throw the ball or you drop back and you hand off the ball. You don't have to make a decision. The play is called for you. You're either going to throw it or you're going to hand it off. With an RPO, ooh, that's an extra added decision the quarterback has to make supposedly it's very easy, but it's just more of something is, is not necessarily good. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not even saying wipe it out that there's no more RPO. Can they just do less? Can every once in a while, they have a basic play fake where the quarterback fakes the ball and he knows ahead of time, he's going to keep it and try and throw it rather than have to decide oh, do I hit it or do I keep it? No pre-write it Pre-determine it for him and let him go from there. That is bothering me about the Eagles' offense right now. It's not even play calling. It's the fact they have this implementation that the quarterback's got to make a decision on all the time. I think it's got to be reduced starting now.
2: I agree with both you guys, and here's why. Um, First of all, play action is not illegal. Nick needs to know that. Um, Number two, you have to run the ball for it to be effective uh, with your running backs. Uh, But to get to your, your point, Jody, I agree with both you guys in the sense that The RPO is easier on the quarterback, but if what you're running is either RPO or quick screen pass outside, the defense can stop both at the same time because you are reading that one guy, and they can take their linebackers and their their defensive line and structure it so that they can stop the RPO while their defensive backs are able to handle that outside passing game. So, And this is what I saw a lot in the first half uh, on Thursday night, if you're running either one or the other, you can defend both at the same time. And that's what Tampa was doing. Uh, quite, I mean, you, you talk about doing some good scouting and, and knowing what was coming. You know, and, and the players were trying really hard not to say after the game that they felt like Tampa knew it was coming. But if you read between the lines, I felt like I was hearing that from some of those players.
3: No, well, Jordan, my line came right out and said it. that. Yeah, you know, said yeah, it. yeah exactly. it seemed like they knew it was coming.
2: Yeah. And as soon as he said it, I was like, "Ooh, that's he's going to get a special conversation after the game, uh, yeah. or you know, later that week with his coaching staff." But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it looked that way, right? And so, uh, the RPO is designed to be easy. Look, Nick Foles ran it with success. You know, it should with a guy with 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 hurt speed and ability, it should be able to be a yeah. successful play. All you need is three yards to at least break even on a play, and you do that three times in a row, and you're pretty close to getting a first down, right? It's simple math. But this team can't even do that, and and I think it's because they're too predictable with their outside game, with their RPOs. They run too many of them, quite frankly. So, Jody, that's where I agree with you. Like, yes, not not blow it up and take it out of the playbook, but use it less. It will be more effective if it's not expected on every possession or even every set of downs. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, some other stats that, that kill me on this offense. This team is almost last in the league in time of possession. You are now putting that defense out on the field for that other remaining time of the game. They're naturally going to wear down. This team is awful on third down. They're one of the worst in that category as well. Um, they've run almost the most third downs in the league. Uh, that, you know, so not only are they not getting first downs, but they can't even get them before third down and, and and fourth down. And there's just so many issues here. And and then you get into the issue. And this is my biggest thing that I'm looking for this weekend from both Sirianni and Gannon uh, talking about next weekend against Vegas. Did you really do some self-scouting? What did you learn? Because if you learned anything, we should be able to see it pretty quickly in the way that you're calling the game on both sides. Why are these corners playing eight yards off? You have weak linebackers, and you're not doing anything to help set them up for success. Uh, you know, just everything in general on that side of the ball, too, is frustrating because you just see teams move down the field and down the field and down the field. And if they could get a few stops, the offense has put up enough points in the past to win some of these games, and it just hasn't happened. So that the whole thing, I need to see that they self-scouted themselves, that these young coaches learn something about themselves because you heard the lip service on Friday from Sirianni. Oh yeah. We're going to self scout. We look at ourselves all the time. I don't need to stop play calling. I think it's going well. That's my expertise. Really? Cause if it's your expertise, I should see some expert calls, uh, you know, coming forward here, especially <laughs> against some weaker teams yeah. that they have coming up as you guys all know uh, in the next few weeks.
4: Well, Scott, I want to point the finger at the top floor of the Novacare complex. I mean, it, it, does this really surprise people? Rookie head coach struggling. Rookie defensive coordinator struggling. No experience, no better voice on this coaching staff that has been through it before. They have trouble with their messaging. Jonathan Gannon saying no scheme gets killed for that. it has got to come back. I didn't mean that. Nick Sirianni's got to talk about simplified offenses versus RPOs. Everybody's saying – guess what? I can tell you what everybody, forget about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can tell you what every college in this country is going to run on Saturday. A bunch of RPOs and bubble screens. Everybody knows what's coming. So you have an RPO offense with a cover two defense and you lose the time of possession game. Like, is this surprising to anyone? Why isn't it surprising to Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman?
2: Well, you know, I've wondered about that in the sense that, look, how involved are they in structuring the play calling here? Because like I said, when you go back and listen to Sirianni when he was hired, he talked about a running game. He talked about, you know, uh, some. Well, Jeff, real quick,
4: Jeff doesn't want a running game. So throw that out the window. So
2: how much are they getting, you know, and he's a new head coach. He's easily manipulated, right? Because he wants to please the boss. Uh, he wants to try to have a career as a head coach in this league. Well, you need to keep your job in order to continue to potentially play it forward and get another one at some point. But how how handcuffed is Sirianni? None of us know the answer to that. Um, but you have to believe there is some of that going on, uh, which is a problem in and of itself. And You talked about, John, one big issue that you look at, you won a, you won a Super Bowl not that long ago. You had some sort of a recipe in place that you could try to follow to cook that up again. That included a new head coach, a rookie kind of head coach with a veteran voice. Jim Schwartz was that guy. He had head coaching experience before. He was able to be some sort of a help for Peterson, particularly early on with some of that stuff. I thought for sure they were going to follow that mold again with this coach. And it, it, it went totally the opposite direction. So, you know, there's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, you had a good result with something you did in the past, and you didn't do it again. So what are you doing? I, I, it, it seems more and more uh, that this owner is way too involved in the day-to-day stuff. Uh, you know, I, there's this uh, – Miles Sanders on his radio show the other, you know, earlier this past week talked about how – When he went out of bounds, you remember in in the Carolina game that the owner came to him after, you know, Laurie had saw him after the game and said, good job, but hey, don't go out of bounds anymore. (laughs) That's not the owner's role. You know, you can't just his job should be, hey, good job. Way to get the win. You have an issue with that. It should go through the coaching staff, really through Howie down to the coaches to, you know, there's a problem. And then you play it forward. These players all talk, right? What's it like to play there? What's it like to play for those fans? Well, what's it like to play for that owner? Um, and and is that going to be a problem when you start talking about free agents down the road? How much does that play into things? Why does Deshaun Watson not want to come here? Is stuff like that part of it? Um, you know, it, it 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 really begs a lot more questions up there. And and at some point, you got to stop putting the earplugs in if you're Jeffrey and and listen a little bit because. Not everybody around here is totally stupid. This fan base, these people, all the us in the media, I'm not saying we're brilliant, but we tend to have good ideas every now and then. Uh, be open minded. Listen, use it to your advantage. Try to make things better. And and you just don't see any of that happening in that front office.
3: Scott, I want to follow up on something you just said. Um, first and foremost... Uh, even though I get your point that you don't really want the owner commenting to players about plays on the field, not his job. Well, he's the owner. His job is whatever he says it is. And, oh, by the way, Miles going out of bounds was so egregious. I don't have a problem with Laurie pointing it out to him. Um, Totally agree. But uh, about Sirianni and his relationship with the players, we had a uh, NFL head coach uh, yesterday completely throw his quarterback under the bus. Uh, Dan Campbell of the Lions said, yeah, you know, Gary Goff's actually got to kind of step up at this point. Really? Your team stinks. He's got no (laughs) wide receivers whatsoever. You're going to put it on the quarterback coach? Why? Because he didn't bite somebody's kneecap? Uh, But I digress about Dan Campbell. Not a big fan. But I'm telling you, he's going to lose the locker room. That's a foregone conclusion. He just took his quarterback and threw him under the bus after six games. Sirianni hasn't done that. Siriani has played it well Sirianni has taken his players backs can we look at that as one plus that at least he seems to have the guys in the locker room behind him we can question his play calling I'm questioning the heck out of RPO he's the only way to win in the NFL but at least it seems like the guys still have his back because he still has their back in the locker room is that fair to say
2: at this point, yes, I think it is fair to say, and and that's why I said I'm I'm out at this point on Nick Sirianni, the play caller, or the offensive coordinator. I, I'm not out yet on Nick Sirianni, the head coach. I, I think you truly need to let an entire season, and and in fairness, probably even more than that, play out to, with a guy who's doing it for the first time. Um, you're right; he has their backs. What I'm what I'm getting frustrated with, I think, is that he's not pointing the finger at himself at this point. And I think a little bit of that could go a long way um, in terms of the locker room. Uh, he, you know, he, he's not going to lose the young players. Those guys are, are still learning what the NFL is about. It's the guys like the Fletcher Coxes, um, you know, the Jason Kelseys. Uh, I would have said Zach Gertz, but now he's gone. Um, you know, those kind of players that, that you, you know, a Rodney McLeod even, um, a Darius Slay. Like those guys are the guys you want to make sure you keep. Uh, you know, with your messaging. And at this point, from what we've heard, from what we've gotten, uh, it, it it seems like that's still intact. But that's where I say, you know, when you look at it, these guys are smart enough to know, look, we just we just faced the the Super Bowl champs and the Bucs. Um, the Dallas team, you know, that night, clearly the Eagles weren't ready to play. I don't know what would have mattered, the way Dallas is playing right now. So you look at some of these games and you say, okay, well, they, they probably weren't going to win them anyway anyway. But it's these next ones. That's why I say this is a a key stretch. You're talking about, uh, you know, Vegas is potentially beatable because you don't know what's going on out there. They did have a good game yesterday. They bounced back. How much of that was emotional for what they went through? Who knows? They're beatable. The Lions, as you just documented, I mean, if they lose that game, which scares me because it's on Halloween, but uh, if they lose (laughs) that game, that's the one where you could really see that locker room implode, especially if they lost in Vegas and lose that one. Now you're 2-6. and You know, uh, that's. I think this is an important stretch coming up in terms of that aspect uh, about whether this – because as we all know, that the, there's a lot of winnable games on the back half of this schedule. They could finish this thing respectable for sure. And then you never know if Dallas somehow trips and falls and gets major injuries or Dak was in a walking boot last night. I mean, there's a lot of season left to play. Uh, but, you know, you don't want to lose that locker room. I think it's important for him as a head coach if he's going to build anything moving forward. Um, and like I said, players talk, right? They all talk. They have friends on other teams, and at some point, some of them are going to be free agents. When they say, "Hey, what's that coach like to play for?" Um, you want to hear, "Oh, he's got our backs. He, you know, he defends us to the media. He will, he will not throw you under the bus. Whatever." Those are important qualities. But uh, that's why I say these next few games are going to be huge for whether or not he loses this locker room. Because if there's no changes, if there's no modifications, if there was no um, you know, in effect, modifications to, to what they've been doing from self-scouting with these extra few days. That's where you start to see some veterans going, uh, what's going on around here? And and John, you know, we don't get to, to, you know, you don't get to get up close with these guys like you used to in the locker room right after a game. And I, I, I felt those were valuable interactions, um, just what you observe, the body language you see as you're talking to these guys, not via Zoom like we are or, or you know, that kind of thing yeah. right now. Uh, it, it's very valuable with, with a, I think, evaluating human beings. And that's a key aspect you're just not getting right now.
4: And speaking of the old days, and, and by the way, everybody watched Scott uh, Props and Locks, Box 29, Sports Sunday, Box 29, so you can see him every week. Last one from me, Minneapolis, you were there with me. Sackers fourth and one, split out wide, essentially game-winning touchdown. Um, what did he mean to the Philadelphia Eagles, this organization?
2: You know, I, I, that was a tough trade, right? I think a lot of people have had a tough time. You knew that it was coming. Um, you knew that it was going to happen just from the way it all, uh, back to when he was yelling at Howie last year, Zach Ertz to me, uh, one of my favorite players, I think of all time around here, uh, just the way he carried himself. This guy played through a lacerated kidney. Yep. If that's not Philadelphia. I don't know what is. Uh, he, he left everything on the field in Minneapolis, as you talked about, John, every time you went to talk to him after a game, you got real, you got real in the moment, emotion, thought, not, you know, coach speak or, or, or word play on, on saying the right things, being politically correct. You got what Zach was thinking in those moments, good or bad after good games, after bad games, whatever it was. Um, I, you know, obviously in the media, I appreciate that the most out of players when they're real with you, because we're in essentially, I feel, you know, the middleman between the players and the fans. So when you say that to us, you're talking to the fans, you're being real with the fans and that's all they want. I thought his press conference after his uh, uh, trade was spot on. It was Zach Ertz to a T It was the guy, like I, I, and I, I have a 15 year old and a 12 year old son who both, um, you know, play baseball at a pretty high level and and are very competitive. And um, Zach did an autograph signing down here one night at a Verizon. I took them down there. I wanted them to meet him, get their picture with him. And I said to them when he was traded, I was like, "This guy is one of the few role models right now as far as athletes that I would consider. Um, Carries himself the right way." Um, it meant something to him to be here. And he's the kind of guy who I totally feel like is going to come back to Philadelphia, um, live here for the rest of his life, uh, not have to pay for a drink ever again, hopefully around here, whenever <laughs> he's done it. Quite frankly, I'm happy for him um, that he's getting the opportunity to go to a team that has a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. Uh, to me, he has played this game. Well, you think about when he's been criticized, when he said, you know, It meant something to be criticized. I liked that. It drove me. You know, you go through and you hear all the time Oh, when you're in high school, you're so good. You're going to be great. You're going to be great. You you know what? These, These guys and these young athletes, they do need to be told, you are good, but you could be better. And when the fans get on you and boo you because you didn't block, you remember early in Zach's career, the one play? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He didn't block. He remembers it. (laughs) <laughs> now, of course, you know, but look, look at what it did for him. He took it the right way. Um, and I think, you know, it's a shame he's gone. I loved talking to Zach after every game. He was one of the last guys to leave the locker room. You know this, John. And he would stand there and talk to you for for a long time, quite frankly, until I think the rest of the media relations staff wanted to go home. It was like, uh, all right, guys, that's it. And, um, you know, so I'll miss that about him for sure. And, uh, you know,
3: wish him nothing but the best. And, oh, by the way, he did leave the door open for a potential return to get those 12 more catches he needs to get to catch Harold Carmichael as the all-time leading Eagle receiver. Just something I think Eagle fans can finally think of for the future because we don't know when the Eagles are actually going to be competing again. Howie Roseman says right now, despite the trade, yeah, I need to see it with my own two eyes. Uh, Scotty, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Good luck to ASU the the rest of the year. (laughs) Herm's one of my favorite coaches of all time. So, yes, even though I didn't go there, I went to a different ASU. I'm pulling for you, buddy. Thanks for uh, jumping on with us today. I always appreciate chatting with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, that Scott. Is, uh Scott Grayson, Fox Twenty Nine, did a good job for us. Uh, strong opinions, and uh, maybe because I agreed with most of his opinions, sounded like <laughs> he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> He's John McBow, I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys. We still got an hour to play here on Birds Three Sixty Five. Stick around. <laughs>
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
3: Kind of a mixed Monday here on Bird's 365, not post-Eagles Sunday action, post-Thursday action, which makes it a little bit different. Oh, by the way, other things happening around the Philadelphia Eagles, like the Friday trade of Zach Gertz, which John and I have already uh, broken down for you, will continue to do so. And the return of Lane Johnson to the Eagles um put out a uh, missive on social media that he is rejoining the team thanking everyone for understanding what he was dealing with off the field depression and the like uh he is coming back to play and back to practice and back to becoming a member of the philadelphia eagles john you've been around players for a long time in the locker room um got to know some of these guys personally And different players react differently to things around them. Certainly, everyone's going to have a reaction to the Zach Ertz trade. You haven't really had a chance to talk to any of the players. Uh, You will get to do that uh, coming up in the next week or two. Um, And also, Lane Johnson returning. Lane did take off a couple of weeks in the middle of the season. I'm not doubting for one second that he didn't need it. I'm sure that he did because Lane Johnson... If ever there's a guy that I would consider a warrior, he would be one of them on this Eagles organization over the last several years, but he needed some downtime now. And he missed a couple of games and over the way the Eagles didn't fare all that. Well, they did win the game in Carolina, uh, but they got beat in a couple of the games that Lane was out. How does that play in a locker room? Cause players <laughs> look at things differently than fans. Fans even look at things differently than the media Uh, The only one I'm worried about now is the players. Are there anybody in that locker room that's going to cast a uh, scant eye at uh, Lane Johnson because he basically needed a break during the season? He's a veteran. He's a leader. He's a guy that guys look up to in the locker room. How's it going to play that Lane needed to take a break from playing from the Eagles this year?
4: yeah i mean everybody's different number one you have to say that so there's a lot of people in that locker room so not everybody's a monolith it's not going to be everybody It, it is a little different with a veteran player like that a leader uh ship this generation is different i mean let's be honest if you're being honest you go back a generation or certainly two uh this would not have spun well uh to be honest uh it's a different world today people Are more accepting certainly of mental health, and we've been through it before with Brandon Brooks, who ironically is, you know, Lane's best friend on the team. They play right next to each other. Uh, I do think people forget all the time these guys aren't Madden players. They have personal lives, they have personal problems, they have personal issues, and then you add on to uh, Lane's got a big personality, so you don't think of him as a guy who's depressed or a guy who has anxiety. You know, he's one of the guys front and center, good, bad, and different. Scott Grayson just talked about that with Zach Ertz in the locker room. Lane was one of those guys as well. Lane will talk after any, you you know, the worst loss possible. So he would not be the guy you would think from the outside looking in is struggling with depression and anxiety issues. And that's you know what he's trying to do. You see, with the statement trying to help other people as well, you're not alone. This a lot of people and the pandemic greaten this massively. True. I mean, you have people stuck in their houses, they can't see their family, their grandparents, they can't get married. You know, people had to cancel weddings, on and on and on. You know, people talk about COVID 19 about. The start it's it, it's almost like football when you look at Jalen Hurts and say these are the numbers and we talk and we'll get back to football but I want to say this real quick and you say these are the numbers how many did how many people were affected by lockdowns and things of that nature and just their mental health was just destroyed it it's one of those underreported stories they'll be talking about 20, 30 a hundred years down the road when it continues to unfold. Look, you, you just, you deal with, with, and this is one of the most difficult parts of of being a head coaching job. I always remember Bill Parcells because I thought it was great. He would give advice to his guys, his assistant coaches who became head coaches. One always stuck with me and it was, There's going to be four or five things that happen every day in professional football that you don't want to happen as a head coach. And if you can't deal with it right now, don't go for this job, go get a different job. Don't be a coordinator, be an assistant coach. It is a tough gig to deal with. You wake up one morning, you think Lane Johnson is going to be your right tackle on a Sunday. And all of a sudden he's gone and he can't play the game. And it's just part of it. It's a difficult job. And But you think of the person first, and that's what Nick Sirianni has said, his five core values. Number one is connecting. And I give this organization a lot of credit because they held the line on this. There was no whispers. There were no talk behind the scenes. um, Deeply personal issue. um, And they respected his privacy and respected the person. And Lane Johnson's already done enough for this organization that, He certainly deserved that.
3: And I guess the point I'm trying to make, is just a little surprising. You made a really good speech there, J.M., about COVID and getting through and dealing with it and the certain things that people deal with that we don't know about because it doesn't have an immediate impact but have a long-range impact. We're on the other side now. Uh, We're not done with it. We're still in a pandemic state. But it's certainly much less than it was last year, and Lane Johnson made it through last year, and most of you well, players I, made I it wasn't
4: saying; I was just using that as an example. I think Lane's issues are more personal; they're not COVID-related. But I, I'm just bringing it up from a mental health standpoint. Um, uh, that was just an example. But from his standpoint, he's it had had been dealing with uh, um, some personal issues, some family issues. Um, and, and obviously it affected him. And, you know, as he mentioned in his statement, uh, he's been that type of guy. You think about Lane Johnson, six foot six, 320 pounds, you know, this powerful guy, he hit it. You know, He didn't tell his family, He didn't tell his friends, He didn't tell him about depression and anxiety because he's supposed to be the, the big, strong guy. You know, same thing with Brandon Brooks. He said that over and over again. Um, <laughs> you know, you're on the air, Jody. I'm sure you've gotten some criticism from people. You know, we deal with that kind of stuff all the time. It's not fun sometimes, <laughs> um, but you accept it. You move on. Uh, you know, some people have a more difficult time handling criticism than other people. Um could be something as simple as that. Anxiety is a real thing, though. And when somebody sticks fifty microphones in your face, you can it can be overwhelming at times.
3: It's part of the gig. Uh, if you're going to be a uh, media member, if you're going to be a starting offensive lineman, an old pro offensive lineman, yeah, criticism is going to come your way. Expectations are going to come your way, and you might not live up to those expectations. Week in and week out, game in and game out. It's not easy. Uh, we're we're fairly compensated. He's tremendously compensated. So there's an upside to oh, taking yeah. on this very tough task. But uh, it's kind of expected of you. And I uh, want to echo your sentiments about kudos to the Eagles that they let Lane Johnson deal with this the way that Lane Johnson felt he needed to deal with it. He took the time off that he needed. He made the statement that he did today via social media to explain why he was out up until this point in the way that he wanted to good for the Eagles for having their guys back and letting him deal with it the way that he deals with it. But now Eagle fans are going to want to know is Lane Johnson coming back as Lane Johnson. Is he going to be able to play like the right tackle, the all pro arguably best right tackle in football at times during his career? I would certainly rate him as that level type player. Is he going to be able to play like this or is this something we're going to see a change in his play?
4: Yeah. I mean, that's something you don't know. We're going to have to see how this affected him in season. Uh, We did talk a little bit just from a football perspective I don't know if you can trade Andre Dillard now, even though it would be probably a good time after he's been on the field and at least put together some decent tape uh, while the Eagles had the injury issues with Jordan Mailata and then uh, the personal issue with Lane Johnson. In theory, you could spin him off for something at least relevant uh, and certainly better than if you rewind to training camp when he looked like a total – lost cause but i don't know if you can do that now because you have to start thinking about well what's lane johnson moving forward as well because it's not only the personal issues a lot of injury issues as well that ankle uh is still swelling up on him when he plays so you have to start thinking about life after lane johnson from a football perspective um and then you start thinking, all right, well, if Andre Tillard can play left tackle, Jordan can play right tackle, maybe that's our long term plan. I don't know if you can deal Andre Tillard now.
3: Yeah, I got no problem trading Andre Tillard. <laughs> This is one where you and I separate. You still think Dillard's got some skills. I think he's a stone-cold bust. I think anything that he has accomplished on tape over the last several weeks should be taken advantage of. This is one where I give you my blessing, Howie. I didn't love the Zach Kurtz trade. It annoys me. Because... Well, you
4: haven't said, I will say this, Jody. You haven't seen La Raven Clark play yet. <laughs> or, or Jack Triscoll play 16 games. You know, I, uh, yeah. It, it is what it is i hear what you're saying i mean if you want to take advantage of it and you've made that assessment you should trade him so if the eagles have said okay this guy can't play they should trade him yeah they should try to take advantage of it that's, um
3: that's my evaluation uh it might not be the same as howie roseman's i know it's not the same as yours i think the kid can't play and I think the reason why he is still here, and this has been an ongoing criticism of Howie Roseman of mine, where a player is drafted is a player's evaluation is taken through that scope uh, more so here than any other football team I've ever followed. Um, that they, they cling to the fact that they need to justify where someone was drafted more so than any other team I've ever dealt with before. And I think that's the case with uh, Andre Dillard, that he's still being given chances because he was not only a first-round pick, he was a first-round pick they traded up for, and they are still trying to justify and defend that selection when I say it's absolutely time to cut ties and move on. Well,
4: I will say this, but, I, but one, I disagree. I think the Eagles are, I think every team does that. I think the Eagles are the same as every other team, number one. Number, number two... And they do it, but so does everybody else. So it was like to put the context of the rest of the league in as well. I don't think they're worse than the rest of the league. I do. Take me out of it. Take Howie Roseman out of it. And we go and we always talk about pro football focus and it is what it is. There's some good, there's some bad, but there's 32 teams in this league. That means there's 64 starting tackles in this league. Uh, I'm just looking it up as we speak. They have
3: Andre Dillard at number 24. Wow. Tremendous. That now, means Howie Roseman should be able to get something for him. If that's the case, if you're telling me he's in the top half of the starting tackles and he hasn't played every single game. So yeah. it's a uh, smaller it's, sample. It's size. a small sample at six games. It's an, an even got smaller lucky. I'm the first because he say... didn't play those six games.
4: And I'm the first to say no DeMarcus Lawrence in Dallas, no Frank Clark against Kansas city, uh, that it enters into it as well. But when he's been out there, and that's what Scott Grayson said. When he's been out there this time, he's been good enough to win with. He hasn't been the problem. Um, you know, but you have to add all that into it In the fact that it is a smaller sample size. Can he continue to play at that level? Um, Certainly the the, the opposition is going to ramp up. He played very well against uh, Brian Burns. Did not play very well against Shaq Barrett. So already you see the kind of uh, difference. But those are both good players. Um, so there's some good. There's some bad. Uh, but I, I I think it's unfair to say he's played poorly when he's been thrust into the job this time. I think he's been... Above average. And I think those those PFF numbers who don't care about Howie Roseman, don't care about John McMullen, they're telling you the same thing.
3: Just let me ask you a quick question. Thrust into the job. That's how you just described Andre Dillon playing.
4: Well, this time, he was thrust in it because of an injury and because of uh, a, a personal problem to to Lane Johnson. Right. So – um he wasn't supposed to play that's all that
3: means okay because that's kind of his job right he shows up every day he plays one position we've already determined he can't play multiple positions. he plays one position so he's going to play he's going to play ta- left tackle either he's going to sit or he's going to play i have trouble understanding why it's difficult to be thrust into a position when you only have two options Sit and watch. I'm always interested to see.
4: I'm always interested to see what Jody back, what you latch onto. I all I meant was he was thrust into action because of an injury and because of a personal problem to Lane. Nothing more than that. Okay, he's a backup. Yeah. If 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 somebody sprains an ankle, you got to be ready to go. I was just merely stating he wasn't supposed to be playing, and by the way, he wasn't supposed to be playing because he lost his job to Jordan Mailata. All I'm trying to say is he wasn't supposed to be playing. He was back in there, and he was back in there playing at a a pretty high level when he wasn't supposed to be playing. Now, the bad stuff is why he got to the point he wasn't supposed to be playing. That's all legitimate. But I'm saying when he came in, when he was forced to play because of other issues, he probably – not probably – he played better than most people expected, and I would I would probably put the Eagles in that category as
3: well. Yeah, I know. Every once in a while, I'll get off on a semantical tangent. Uh, being forced to play doesn't seem to that that's not the way I would describe it. When your job is to play, and you're not good enough to play, and then something happens that necessitates you're playing, you're supposed to be ready. You're not being forced to play. You just, you play, and you're good enough or not. And he has played better than certainly I expected because I think the guy stinks. Um, But if that's the case, Howie Roseman, pull a rabbit out of your hat. See what you can get for this guy because if, if he's playing going forward, I don't think that bodes well for the Eagles offensive line because that means my lotta is on the right hand side. And I think my lotta is the superior left tackle. And that's where he should be playing week in and week out. All right. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald with the Birds 365 Mac Mac guys come back. John, I do want to turn the conversation to the quarterback position again because something dawned on me this weekend watching the entire NFL, which we were both allowed to do. Except for you. You went to Lowe's. I stayed in front of my TV and watched football all day on Sunday. (laughs) The Eagles have an issue. And it's not even an Eagle issue, it's a tangential Eagle issue at the quarterback position. I'll explain when we come back. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. Mac and Mac, guys on Birds 365.
5: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hit. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
3: Johnny Mac, guys, here on Bird's Three Sixty Five. We're doing a lot of recapping today. A bunch of things that have uh, come up certainly. Eagles get beat Thursday night by Tampa. Looking ahead to Sunday with the Raiders. Zach Ertz gets traded on Friday. Which, Johnny Mac, I do have this quarterback thing I want to bring up, but uh, this is dawn on me. You said here on Bird's Three Sixty Five on Friday that the vibe around the Eagles yesterday was. The Zach Ertz trade is very alive, and that uh, something could happen in short order, oh, damn, like hours later, uh, he's no longer a Philadelphia Eagle. What was it that told you? Was it someone who told you on or off the record that it's all but a done deal, <laughs> that Zach Ertz was going to be elsewhere? Uh, how, uh, you said it with pretty good confidence here on Bird's 365 on Friday that the Zach Ertz trade was coming down. Uh, what led you in that direction?
4: Well, I was told early uh, on that he was probably going to be moved uh, by the trade deadline. Then we uh, saw Zach coming off the field after the loss to Tampa Bay it was really emotional. Uh, seemed like he knew uh, trade was coming down. By the way, that's an interesting part of this. The Eagles evidently agreed to the structure of the deal uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday. I forget which day. Uh, and they allowed Zach Ertz to play on Thursday, which if he gets hurt, I mean, they're no deal. Um, I thought that part was really interesting. But they, you know, wanted to give him an opportunity uh, to go out on a high note uh, with the Eagles You know, we always talk about Howie Roseman being the bad cop. Maybe football said she should have been the bad cop there, to be honest. But everything worked out. He got his touchdown. Um, But, yeah, it was – and Zach knew he was – that was going to be his last game, obviously, and that's why it came off uh, so emotional.
3: Even though I've been (laughs) knocking Howie Roseman pretty good today, as a matter of fact, I got to give him props because he did roll the dice a little bit either for one of two reasons. Number one, he wanted to do the right thing by Zach Gertz, as you just explained, let him have a fun farewell, a bon voyage, and damn if he doesn't get a touchdown in his last sequel game. Or the fact that, yeah, they still wanted to win that game. That had they won that game, had they beaten the Bucks and gotten a 3-3, three and three, maybe they even go, yeah, no, never mind. Or... Maybe they go back to Arizona and go, no, no. Remember that deal we agreed with? Tentatively. It was tentatively. So now if you want to do that deal, it's going to cost you that much more because we don't necessarily want to take a step back. And I don't know if that was actually in play, but I'll give Howie the benefit of the doubt that maybe it was. So they end up losing and they pull the trigger on a deal and they got lucky. You're right in that Zach didn't get hurt, but Um, now I'll give Howie credit for that one. Some, sometimes I think, uh, Howie needs to be called on the carpet. Sometimes got to give him credit. The Miami trade does look that much better now because that leads me into what I uh, did want to talk about next quarterbacks NFL draft this upcoming year, uh, with the loss to the, uh, the broke the second longest losing streak in the history of the national football league. Jaguars yesterday morning. Did you at least get up to watch that, or were you already at Lowe's? Um yeah, that-
4: I I did not see much of the Jaguar Jaguars Dolphins game. Poor London. I mean, boy, come on, what are they doing to London? They get the Jags all the
3: time. What do you mean they're the Jags home away from home, London?
4: No, uh, they that I I told you that stat, which is amazing to me. They've been playing these London games for a long time now. Um, They've never gotten a game between two winning teams at the same time, which is unbelievable if you think about it. you think by luck you would have gotten one, a team surprising. Right.
3: They schedule but, it long before the season yeah. starts. So somebody's got to come in at uh, five and four at some point, don't yeah. they?
4: Well, no, they've had winning teams, just not two winning teams matched together. So that, five, and you would think, five and four against five
3: and four, yes. Yeah,
4: so you think at one point it would have worked out, but no. They continuously get these games, and you know, I don't know. That's the thing about the NFL. That's bro, you had, I think, three overtime games yesterday, and they were all brutal. It games. I think, it was only two. Right. Uh, well, yeah, Jack. Oh, Jacksonville
3: wasn't overtime. It wasn't an overtime. Yeah, game, yeah, yeah. Two, they won on. Right. They won on last play. They won on the last play.
4: So almost, you, had a, you had you had a couple walk offs and overtime. You had the last play there. But you have these close games, and, and you're like, wow, that was exciting. But, man, there was bad football to get
3: to that last play. And I think
4: people forget about it. It's interesting.
3: And part of that uh, bad football will not be the point I'm trying to make. But um, the Jaguars are uh, now a team with a win. Yeah, go yeah. Jags. Good luck with that. But they actually moved ahead of the Eagles. When I say ahead, I, I guess I should say behind. Behind the uh, Dolphins in the draft order because they've got a head dead and it doesn't have to do with head dead. It has to do with strength of schedule. The Dolphins, as of right now, have the second pick in the draft, which means the Eagles have the second pick in the draft. Now, I actually think the Dolphins are better than their one in five record. I know, by the way, Tua Tungava low threw for over 300 yards. It was the Dolphin defense which kind of let them down. And Trevor Orange made some nice plays, give him credit. Um, that's a real that's gonna be a really nice, really high pick for the Eagles that they got from the Dolphins in Howie Rojeman's best move in the last 12 months when he made that draft day trade. Uh, I checked Tankathon, NFL draft percolator, whatever it is. Um the two other potential first round picks, which, oh by the way, Johnny Mack, nice win. Carson Wentz yesterday. They get that's the two. And win, four. That's exactly a good
4: win, man. That's a good Exactly right. That helps.
3: Tennessee's got Buffalo tonight. I don't think they're winning. So they're going to fall to three and three. I told you they're getting a first round pick. The Colts are not going into tank mode to protect that pick. They're going to be in the race. Well, I'm with you now.
4: I'm with you now. Every yeah, I think people didn't realize that they were like, lose, lose, lose. No, you got to throw a win in there.
2: You
3: got to take a in a win every once in a while. You're correct. And they're going to be fine. Because they've got Houston, who they beat down yesterday. they got them one more time. Then they got the Jags twice. Oh, they got a schedule where they're going to get some wins that are going to be just good enough to keep them in that mix. Tennessee is just mediocre enough that they're not going to run away and hide in that division. Oh, the Colts are going to play Carson Wentz all year long. They're going to get a first-round pick, mark my word. Um, Unless he gets hurt,
4: which you always have
3: to throw in there. Right, unless he gets hurt because – carson has kind of a history of getting hurt you are very correct there um i forget which one it was uh miami was two and either the eagles were eight and the colts were nine or the colts were eight and the eagles were nine so as of right now well i'm looking at
4: tankathon right now they have they have miami at three so i don't know but either two or three i guess they have them at three um
3: i looked at it this morning I had him second overall jacksonville third
4: yeah i got they have jacksonville second right now i got it up right now uh miami third uh eagles eight colts
3: nine. Eight, nine. yeah that's what i said i didn't remember which was which whether it was eagles added the Colts or the Colts ahead the eagles either way it's eight nine doesn't matter um those are three pretty damn good picks So you're going to have the ability to be very aggressive on draft day. What quarterback are they being very aggressive for on draft day to be able to grab?
4: Yeah. Well, that's the question right now. Nobody has uh, captured the imagination, uh, but it's very early. Here's the thing, Jody. And we, we see this every year and everybody forgets and We get into the draft type process, which is really, I don't even, I'm going to put the media aside because you have this cottage industry of draft sites and draft nicks and some of them are really good. We have them on this show. Some of them aren't really good. Uh, We don't have them on this show, but you get the point. I mean, there's only so much information uh, you can get outside the organizations. Organizations will talk themselves in the quarterbacks. We know this. We we see it every year. Right now, the kid from Ole Miss that you hyped up a couple weeks ago, is probably, I think, number one. I can't believe how bad Spencer Rattler has fallen. Um, you know, he'll probably have to transfer at this point and go play uh, somewhere else in college and build himself back up, sort of like Jalen Hurts um did in his ship from Alabama to Oklahoma um right now it's not looking good but somebody's somebody's going to go up the board and somebody's going to be there
3: well one thing I will kind of disagree with you with it's not as early in the process as it was these teams have now played six games the college football season is 12 games So we're halfway through most of these kids' seasons. Now, there's a bowl game afterwards, and then there's the all-important combine and individual workouts. Exactly.
4: That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the off-season stuff. That's what I'm talking about.
3: Understood. But if you don't have a competent season, you don't even get to uh, the senior bowl and uh, the draft combine and the like. It's a really low crop right now, John. Yeah, Matt Carl is the absolute number one pick. Not even a debate as far as I'm concerned. Malik Willis, the kid from Liberty. Oh, they'll talk themselves into Malik Willis. He he only threw three interceptions this week against Louisiana Monroe. Do you think NFL defenses are a little tougher than the Louisiana Monroe defense? That he threw three picks against this week. They got beat by Louisiana Monroe did Liberty. Not well, good. Well,
4: it is Liberty. But interestingly, you know, by the way, so I just pulled up a mock draft. They have, so this mock draft is from Pro Football Network. They have Matt Corral go with number two overall, <clears throat> which is fine. This was probably last week. So they had the Eagles at five, taking uh, Kyrie Elam, a cornerback from Florida, uh, with one of their picks. But at one of their other picks, they haven't taken Malik Willis at ten, which now would be eight or nine. So there's there's one there's one example.
3: Malik Willis is looking like a slightly larger version. Of Jalen Hurts right yeah, now. Yeah,
4: that's a good point. You, you already same...
3: have Jalen Hurts. What the heck do you need with Malik Willis if you got Jalen Hurts? Well, you keep the same
4: stupid RPO offense, and you hopefully have a better
3: How's that uh, working?
4: template to run it.
3: How's the RPO yeah. offense well, working I'm, I'm, Hey,
4: I'm the first to admit I hate that offense. I don't like college football because of that offense. I hate it. I hate watching it. I, it's ugly. I tell you all the time.
3: And here's... Uh, Here's the point I want. I'm sorry, John, go ahead. No,
4: I, I mean, but that's just personal. I just, I just don't like that offense, but if you're trying to build an offense around the strengths of the players, I get, I get why you do it, but
3: it's, it's not fun to watch. I will say that. Here's the thing that dawned on me while I was watching football yesterday and knowing that the Eagles are, let's say, undecided at quarterback right now. I don't think they've, completely given up on Jalen Hurts as being their future quarterback. I think they're leaning in that direction after the last couple of weeks. He is now, and again, we can get into the debate of how to best judge a quarterback, much like pro football focus. Uh, Certain things that they put out, I just, I shake my
4: head they. I Can I give you one thing they put out that you're not going to agree with? Okay, got it. Uh, Because we're talking about quarterbacks and they graded, you know, Jalen Hurts pretty well to this point. He hasn't been terrible by any stretch of the imagination. So right now he's number 15. Guess who number 16 is.
3: Jared Goff.
4: No, Jared Goff is way way down at 25. Number 16 is Dak Prescott.
3: So they've got Jalen Hurts ahead of Dak Prescott. Yes. Okay, pro football <laughs> focus. Like I said, some of their things I yes. I understand and I agree with, and I say that's a good point. And other things I go, what the hell are they well, talking about? Can I tell about?
4: you, can I tell you the reason? The reason is Dak Prescott has a terrible grade as a runner. The worst in football, uh, coming off the injury. Um, and Jalen Hurts is as a runner. If he's not the best in football, i got to look at Lamar. Um, Yeah, he's even better than Lamar as far as efficacy goes. He's the best in football. So that's why I have the skew. Like as a thrower, Prescott is is way ahead of Hurts, but not as far ahead as Hurts is a Prescott as a runner, runner. which doesn't matter. So that's why you have this – and that's where I defend pro football focus. They're just grading each play and saying, okay, what have you done on this play? And Dak is not a runner at this point. So it gets skewed. And that's why you need to add the context into these. Yeah. Stupid, and some of them things grades. just
3: completely miss out on context as in Dak Prescott ranked behind Jalen Hurts at this stage can't be in any real focus, real world focus, but here's the point I was trying to get at, um, And it just dawned on me how large this list is. And I'll make it a question, and then I'll give you what uh, I I jotted down here. Realistically, John, and I think of you as a very smart football guy and a guy who can play general manager for teams around the league. Shoot, I do it all the time on my national radio show, uh, so we can do it here on Birds 365, too. How many teams do you think there are in the league right now? that you could make a serious argument for the fact that they need to make a change at the quarterback position and should be thinking about using a first round pick on a new quarterback.
4: All right. Well, let's see. Tampa Bay. No, I got the, uh, mm, uh, I'm going down the list as we speak. Denver. Um, even though Teddy Bridgewater's been okay. Obviously, he's not the long-term answer. Philadelphia, uh, Miami, certainly. Uh, The Giants, uh, although, you know, we talk about first-round picks. There's an example of a team deferring to a first-round pick, but that's understandable. Uh, New Orleans, Carolina, I think, is quickly souring on Sam Darnold. Detroit, we just talked about. Jared Goff, Um, San Francisco has Lance, so no. Jets are obviously sticking with Zach Wilson. Pittsburgh has to think about it. Houston has to think about it, um, assuming uh, Deshaun Watson is not going to be there, as we all assume. Uh, And Washington
3: has to think about it. All right. So here's the way I figure it. You tell me I'll run through the teams that I think absolutely positively have to be considering a first round quarterback and feel free to go. No, Jody, they're good. You're overstating it. They're not a team that's going down that road. Eagles, one. Giants, two. Washington football team, three. So three of the four teams in the division that can't run Dak Prescott guy. The only one who I think is pretty good <laughs> going forward. Pro football focus. Falcons. Sorry, Matty ice fans. Uh, Panthers. yeah. Sam am coming back to the back. Oh, by the way, you're going to have to pay him. Um, he's coming up on the end of the contract. They didn't do the uh, extra year reinstatement thing. So you're going to need to uh, get a deal done with Sam Arnold. Do you want to get a deal done with Sam Arnold? He marched them down the field, got the game tied yesterday but he had to do it because he was so terrible for the first three quarters of the game. And he wasn't good against the Eagles last week either. So Sam Darnold doing Sam Darnold things. Um, Saints, you're going to go forward with Jameis. That's one of the debated ones. Do you you think they want to go forward with Jameis as their quarterback? No, no. Yeah. So Saints are going to be looking to upgrade a quarterback. Lions, how about Dan Campbell throwing Jared Goff under the bus yesterday? You think they need a new quarterback? I would say so uh Broncos unquestioned Teddy Bridgewater no more fitting a name in football Bridgewater that's all it is he's a bridge quarterback until they can get their next actual quarterback the Texans yeah Davis Mills he's come he he had a good half his first half filling in was good he's come back significantly since uh sorry about that and you and I agree Steelers Big Ben, just good enough, got the job done last night. He's a shadow of his former self. They got to get their future quarterback. Add it up, John, that's 11. That's 11 teams in a 32-team league. That's more than a third of the league Yeah, needs to get a new quarterback this next year. Who are going to be the free agents who are going to hit the market? None. None that are guys go, oh my God, we gotta get him. That's our guy. We're gonna hitch our wagon him. Deshaun well, I think a lot, think- lot of
4: people are putting Denver together with Aaron Rodgers. Um, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see how that shakes out. I don't I don't think Russell Wilson's going anywhere. Um
3: and those uh, aren't even free agents, those are trades. Deshaun no, yeah. Watson, uh yeah. maybe Russell Wilson because it was talked about but it seems like they've mended fences and the like and i'm with you i think Aaron Rodgers will be traded next year but that's trades that's not uh, no no yeah
4: but that takes you know i think carolina or miami are going to get to sean one of those two um and i think denver's going to get rogers so that takes two off the board just just two teams looking for a quarterback off the board and then you haven't. And you oh, by the non. way,
3: I didn't have Miami on the list because yeah. I still think two is going to be good enough. They lost yeah. again yesterday. They're one of five. Now, Tua didn't play in three of those five losses. Uh, yesterday's loss was on his resume because he started the game. But I watched the game. They didn't lose because of Tua. He threw for over 300 yards. They asked him to throw it like 46 times. Forty six passes. The guy just comes off the IR. Drop back and throw it 46 times with broken ribs. I think two is still their guy going forward. But if you're uh, putting Watson on them, that's a team that I don't even have on my list of 11 that need new quarterbacks.
4: Yeah. Well, I think, I think those are the two teams around the league people talk about is, is the most likely landing spots for, for Deshaun. Um, yeah, and that would knock it down to 10 teams because you didn't have Miami. So, 10 teams looking for upgrades at quarterback. Um, and then there's some other wild cards. You know, uh, um, there's always wild cards with aging quarterbacks um, and expensive quarterbacks. Like Cousins is playing great, but they might not want to pay him again. I mean, that, nobody has done better at, at leveraging himself to get constant extensions at high level, and they just might pull the plug because they're a bad team. with the bad head coach, they're probably going to fire the head coach, and then they might want to go in a different direction. So there's always, and if he's a free agent, then all of a sudden he's top of the free agent market outside of Rodgers, Watson. There's always a couple curveballs.
3: We'll see what those curveballs are because they're not looking too curvy to me right now. That's the the, the point I'm trying to make. It's a weak quarterback draft class. Uh, Yeah, Malik Willis. Uh, I found this out yesterday. I did not know this. Mississippi plays Liberty in two weeks. That's a big one. It is. Who would have thought that the most highly scouted game in college football this year might be Mississippi against Liberty? because they're the two top quarterbacks as of right now. And yeah, Malik didn't have a real big game this past week uh, to hang their hat on. But uh, Eagle fans and I tried to find out, because, you know, it's got to be on TV somewhere. They don't schedule these things. By late. the way, Jody,
4: can we talk about Nick Sirianni getting the question? Scott brought it up a little bit. Already being asked to give up play calling yeah. after 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 six games. I mean, you and I had that discussion, but like I'm I'm more open to a CEO type coach, you know, hiring one uh, or, originally. But I know why teams don't hire. If he were to give up play calling for game 7, he's basically signing his death warrant. He's basically saying, "I can't do this job. Fire me." I I mean, Look, I get why the question is asked, but I really don't think the people really think Nick Sirianni's going to give up. Like you're, you're, you're firing yourself if you do that in game seven.
3: Right. You're admitting defeat and Nick Sirianni isn't about to do that. Uh, I'm with you. I get why someone would ask that question, which makes it a legitimate question, but it's one that you should full well know what the answer is going to be before you ever ask it. The answer is no, he's not going to give up play calling um I, I believe that those offensive guys who come in that's the most important thing on their plate that they have to be good play callers i think they look at themselves that way i think they look at the people who hired them look at them that way so it came as no surprise that he answered the question the way that he did yeah he's not going to give up play calling anytime soon and oh by the way who's he giving up play calling to well that shane, that shane yeah. steikin uh, he's been a great play caller in his history in the national football league. No, if they had, because Johnny Mack brings us up all the time. And it's a very legit point. They didn't hire the wise veteran, the uh, tremendously experienced individual to be a guy to get, help get the Eagles coaching staff through tough times. who has been through the wards before that person is non-existent on the Eagles staff. So there isn't even someone to hand it off to that you go. All right, well at least this guy's done it before. Maybe, maybe. well they, no, they do don't have, have Jim that Bob, guy on the on the coaching staff.
4: They do have Jim Bob Cooter as a concern. Who?
3: What? Where? What? Just,
4: could you pick Jim Bob Cooter out of a lineup? Yeah, I saw him. Nick Sirianni. He was walking out one day. There's Jim Bob. Yeah, I know Jim Bob.
3: Okay, so I love is, the name. Which is. Uh, did, did I miss him on the website? And I know websites aren't everything, but the Eagles have their official website listed of coaches, right? I, I'm looking here for Jim Bob Cooter nowhere to be found.
4: Yeah. It was the most bizarre thing. Uh, I think it was during one of the jets practices in training camp. He just dropped his name out of nowhere. Right. Nick Sirianni. It was hilarious. And then a couple of weeks ago at the Nobacare complex, we're, we're doing our press conference with Nick and, and, and Jim Bob walked out the side door and he said, oh, there's Jim Bob. <laughs> it's the most bizarre thing in the world. But I only joke about it because Jim Bob, he did call plays with uh, Detroit. Uh, he was their offensive coordinator. Shane Steichen uh, called plays uh, with the Chargers with, you know, Justin Herbert. He did a pretty good job. Um, there are guys who've called plays before, but, yeah, he's not giving up play calling.
3: Yeah, I don't see that happening anytime soon. And, yeah, Jim Bob would have to take a pretty big jump up to go from not even officially listed as a coach to the uh, play caller in one week time. Hold on, Jim Bob, come over here. I'm talking to the guys on the media. Just come, wave, and uh, I'll probably introduce you as our new play caller. <laughs> Not, that that's not good optics, John. McClure. No, we try and give you good optics every uh, day here on Birds 365. We'll come back. Yeah, let's put a bow on the show. We still got ten minutes left to go here on Birds 365. Stay with us. <laughs> John McMullen, Jody McDonald, your Mac. Mac. Birds 365 guys. Last couple of minutes of this Monday gathering, um, we thank Scott Grayson from Fox 29 who was on with us earlier. If you're just jumping on now, go back and rewatch because Scotty was really good. Uh, we enjoyed having him. Tomorrow should be fun. Our boy Jimmy Kemsky, part of the part of the Marlton Mafia. That's my hometown. Uh, no, we got the McMullen Mafia out there. We also have the Marlton Mafia of which. Jimmy Kemski and I are two uh, top members. Um, Kemsky will be great tomorrow. And one of the reasons why I wanted to get Jimmy on, I, thought, I asked John yesterday, hey, can you reach out? I'll reach out. Just let's try and get Kemski on. And we did. We got him uh, booked in for tomorrow in the uh, first hour of the show. No one covers free agent compensatory picks <laughs> as well as Jimmy Kemsky.
4: That's Jimmy's brand.
3: It really is. That and his little stick figures, which are phenomenal. Um, And I'll be honest, John, I've read that, uh, Googled it and read it, how they come up with what the compensatory picks are. Probably 186 times. I could read it 187th time and I still wouldn't understand it. And somehow Kemsky follows it and understands it and can explain it. And I've had, had to do it, had him do it with me on the air before, and I appreciate it. And I hope the people understand because even after <laughs> Jimmy explains it, I still don't understand. But we'll get him on tomorrow because that's one thing we haven't really touched on with the Zach Ertz trade. If they had just kept Zach Ertz, that would have counted as a guy who you could get a draft pick compensatory slot for. Now you got to lose more than you gain, and there's a lot to it. But yeah. he would have been a free agent who is going to sign, my prediction here, a decent contract with a team that's upcoming offseason, which means you could probably get compensatory status for him. And it may even be equivalent to a fifth-round pick. So it could even be a fourth-round pick, which means the Eagles would take less to not have him. And they could have kept him and got these services for the last 11 games of yeah. the season. So we'll get Kemsky up tomorrow to give us his best guess scenario with how that could have gone. And th- see the problem with it is we'll never know because he's going to be a free agent. And I guess he's going to leave the Cardinals and the Cardinals will be able to get that well, compensatory stat.
4: Now the, the, what people don't get about compensatory picks and Jimmy, I'll, we'll leave it to Jimmy, but you're right. The first part, Zach would probably sign for a decent deal. He'd be eligible But, number one, you have to lose more players in free agency than you sign. Now, typically, the Eagles, we've gone through this Super Bowl window where they thought they were contenders. They weren't signing people in free agency. In theory, in theory, this is all theory, they're going to have money. They're going to have the ability to target players. They're probably not going to be in that situation this year. In fact, it's more likely that they will sign more players than they will lose, and then it all goes out the window. You're not getting anything. So that's, that's sort of the stuff. When Harry Roseman would weigh that stuff, and we'll get into it with Jimmy tomorrow, he knew they weren't signing anybody, and they were getting compensatory picks. This time, they're going to have money. They're going to be players. They're probably not going to be in that same conversation.
3: Probably not, but I still contend that this team might, uh, despite the objection of the general manager to the characterization of it in the press conference the other day, well, I think they're still going to sell. I think there's a couple of guys that could end up being dealt. I- I'll give you one, and here's a guy. You got your Pro Football Focus open? I got two no, guys. No, but I you can want to
4: open it. Go ahead. I want,
3: I-, I want to ask you about two guys right now. One of which I just want to know how he's playing as per. A pro football focus and one as a potential projection for a guy who could be dealt. Um, Avante Maddox that they uh, have Vontae's
4: playing really
3: well, slot
4: A-Bonte, corner
3: rating, or is he just part of the cornerbacks? Just class? part,
4: just part of the cornerbacks 18 of 116.
3: Really well, right? Uh, he's a free agent at the end of this year, right? Yes. So there's probably some pretty good teams that could use an upgrade at their slot cornerback, right? Yeah, uh, but... Uh, there's no there's, mean, no there's no sense keeping Avante Maddox. If you're going to trade Zach Ertz, why wouldn't you trade Avante Maddox? Well, Avante uh, Maddox is young. Um,
4: I think they like him as is a player. Is he franchise tag worthy? No, but slot corners don't get paid like outside corners. So you don't have to worry about that. They can get a Bonte Maddox at a decent number. And I think ultimately
3: they will. Right. Um, but couldn't they get him back from a team? Let's see. They traded him to pick a team, any team on the face of the planet. Oh, I
4: see what you're doing. The Arizona you're,
3: Cardinals. You go to play place for them and then you resign them yeah, at the end no, of the year.
4: Now that's baseball thinking. That doesn't happen in the NFL. Oh, you can see your baseball background jumping out there. That's something you do in baseball. That doesn't happen.
3: The Is NFL. there a rule against it in the National no, Football League, or are we just judging it because it hasn't happened often no, it, before? because
4: it hasn't happened. Okay. I, I appreciate your your thought. I like it. I think it's inventive. I think more NFL GMs should be willing to do things like that. Right. Zach, Hurt
3: I, said, Zach Hurt said he's coming back. Zach well, Ertz is just playing rent up for the uh, no, Arizona
4: he, Cardinals. For no, He's he got to come say, back
3: and get Harold Carmichael's record.
4: He said, who knows what happens. He's not coming back. He's yeah. coming back to sign a one-day contract.
3: You're doing a shady thing?
4: Yeah, exactly. Okay. The Eagles want Dallas Goddard. If Dallas, if they want Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz is here. Dallas Goddard's not going to be happy. Zach Ertz isn't coming back. That's not a rental they're certainly not going to do a rental with the Bonte Maddox, a player they want, a player that's still young. If anything, they'll work out an extension early with the Bonte Maddox. But slot corners get screwed in the NFL because they don't get paid. And they're they're really starters. But, you know, that's another conversation.
3: OK, when when Dallas Goddard signs a free agent contract with the Denver Broncos and all of a sudden the Eagles got no tight ends, except Tyree Jackson, who John McMullen told the store in practice, man, this guy is opening eyes. And Howie Roseman was buying into it big time selling us mm-hmm. on Tyree Jackson the other day. Yeah. Going to be the next star tight end of the Eagles. they are
4: going to see him in a couple of weeks. He'll be I, back.
3: I hope he's every bit what you and Howie promised him to be. Um, but uh, if Goddard is not here elsewhere, maybe oh, he's going to be
4: here. Dallas okay. got Worst comes to worst, franchise tag. worst. Come, and it's not going to happen, but they will work something.
3: Out. I, I think you're probably right. All right. And the one other guy I wanted you to look up real quick on pro football focus before we wrap this bad boy, how is Landon Dickerson grading? Is he played enough to fall into the yeah. guard category? Uh, in the not
4: great. He's 50 of 73. Uh, but it's a hell of a lot better than where he was after week one when he was near the bottom. So he's getting incrementally better
3: okay, each week. We'll take that. Hopefully he has another good week here against the Raiders. All right, brother, we be out of time. Uh, good show today. Uh, your COVID day, you don't know yet. Wednesday, maybe? you.
4: 99% Wednesday. It's a regular week, so yeah but the schedule is not out uh it'll be out later today
3: all right we might have to juggle a couple things because Wednesday I was able to get Seth Wickersham ESPN football writer who's got the tell-all book about the New England Patriots which just was released this week I haven't had a chance to jump into it yet but I've read some reviews on it and there's some pretty juicy tidbits in there about the Patriots uh yeah. even going back to by the way night. i
4: also want to tease marcus hayes on thursday did you see marcus's column
3: i bench, have not
4: bench jalen hurts really? first one
3: okay first yeah one. so somebody was going to go there sooner or later and it doesn't really surprise me that marcus is first uh cool marcus on thursday seth wickersham on wednesday tomorrow we got jimmy kemsky joining us so we got good guests coming your way here on birds 365 jay mack and i will be back in 22 hours Have a good day, Birds fans. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media
1: channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,